Daniel Jones getting a four-year, $160 million deal with the Giants. That's insane. Sticking Is it, though? Yes. It's quarterbacks in the NFL. Everybody gets overpaid. He's not Dak Prescott. No, he's not. He's better. No, I'm just kidding. He's oh, not better than Dak Prescott. He's not that. better than Dak Prescott. He did. Listen, here's the thing. If you're the Giants, though, this is one of those situations where you go, all right, we know short-term this is probably going to work. Long-term, he's not the long-term future, but it could be way more expensive down the road for somebody else. We'll stick with what we got. And it worked with Saquon Barkley, who got the tag, $10.1 million this year. Maybe he works out a longer-term deal. If you're the Giants, you probably want to do the one-year deal and just stick with the tag if he's going to play on it. But this is the NFL today. If you're a quarterback that's decent, if you're Matt Flynn years ago, he got paid, which at the time was a lot of money. It's not now, but it just takes one game. It takes one game or one season, in Geno Smith's case, to make – an S ton of money. That's just that's that's the way that it goes. Sean Marash joins us. BetQL Network, DA Show, CBS Sports Radio. Uh, very vibrant, vibrant, uh, avid Giants fan has lost his mind sometimes in front of his ring camera. But I understand because you actually had a playoff season this year, and it's been a while for you. And as a Commanders fan, uh, I envy that. So you got Daniel Jones for technically four years. We know that this doesn't actually mean it's 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 really a four-year deal. The moves that we've seen today, you got the franchise tag for Saquon Barkley. You've got a four-year deal for Daniel Jones. You happy with those? Yeah, I, I would use the word perfect. This has been a perfect day for new general manager, well, second-year general manager now, Joe Shane. This was the first two big contracts he had to handle. Obviously, he's have to handle Barkley a little further, but they didn't go give Barkley a huge bag, which is a mistake when you give running backs long-term deals, and they paid their quarterback with a salary cap that's going to explode even more in the next year or two. Basically, above-average quarterback guaranteed money these days. So they didn't overpay Jones, they didn't underpay Jones, and they didn't give Barkley four years in a crazy Christian McCaffrey deal. So, you know, in the giant world, whether those on the outside can think whatever they want, this was actually a perfect day in many ways. So Bears Jaquan Brisker calls Daniel Jones trash after <laughs> he gets a $160 million contract. That is so strange that people want to get involved with what other contemporaries are getting yeah. paid on Twitter, right? Especially, what do the Bears have to really be talking about right now? Also very odd because the Bears played the Giants this year in the only game that Jones was injured during the season, and the Giants had to finish that game with Saquon Barkley, a quarterback, because Tyrod Taylor also had it. So who's trash when you lose by multiple touchdowns to a team playing a running back at quarterback for the better part of a quarter and a half to end the game? So brisk that, get lost, loser. <laughs> what is what's the upside with Daniel Jones, right? Like, because we saw certainly, like well, he's not going to go out there and get you 400 yards passing and four touchdowns, but we saw a very capable, good quarterback uh, under Dable last yeah. year. Yeah, look, if you're looking, clearly you're not going to get Burrow, Mahomes, Allen, whatever. I, I heard Trista tease the Dak Prescott thing, but the upside is better than Dak Prescott. I mean, that is his upside. He's 25 years old. He's not He's not in his 30s yet. And I, I know this sounds like an excuse, but he basically had his career completely stunted, as the entire team did, including other good players, Dexter Lawrence, Andrew Thomas, by what we now know is a catastrophic failure of a coaching regime with Joe Judge, Jason Garrett, Freddie Kitchens. And it was basically like you take all of these guys, Xavier McKinney, the Giants have good players we all saw on the Dable, and they, if you look at all of them across the board, 
They all sucked for those two years. It was almost like uh, freezing them, like they were Ted Williams' head. So I almost look like uh, look at this like this was Jones' second year of his career. He he pushed the ball in his rookie year down the field. His biggest issue was turnovers. He was the least turned over quarterback per pass attempt in the NFL. The Giants were right in the middle of the pack and touchdown scored per drive. And he did all of this, by the way, without the benefit of a C.D. Lamb and A.J. Brown, you know, just turning over that wide receiver room. So I don't know what the ceiling is for Jones. I'm not saying he's he's any of those big elite guys, but can can Daniel Jones be 13-8 to eight in terms of, you know, quarterbacks in the NFL? That is the upside. It absolutely is. And you would assume with a great coach and offensive coach and Brian Dable, he has all the tools to do that. The cupboards for the wide receiver room are empty, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, what happens next, in your opinion? How do we fill this wide receiver room out? And who are some players you think uh, we should be watching out for? Well, and that's why I think the way they structured this contract is really important to note when it comes to that wide receiver room, Trista, because this contract, if the reports are true, is only going to count on the cap this year for $19 million. The Giants are about to have a lot of cap flexibility, especially if Barkley does play on the tag, and they have not restructured Dory Jackson and Leonard Williams. Those are due to come, meaning they really have room at least for one big-ticket receiver, which would mean they probably still draft somebody. But if you look at everybody, and we just went through the combine that is going to be a first-round, a lot of those guys are the 5'10", 5'9", Smurf-type wide receivers, which they took with Wondell Robinson in the second round last year. Start thinking about guys that could be dealt last year. We saw a lot of wide receiver movement. DeAndre Hopkins, in play. What will that asking price be? Uh, another guy, how about look out for what happens with Mike Evans in Tampa. I mean, they are shedding salary like crazy. Would it shock anybody if Mike Evans is moved by draft day? Uh, you know, those here in Cortland Sutton rumors out of Denver now. The Giants, I think, are going to end up with one of these veteran receivers and go the trade route. They have another 9 to 11 picks. I'm forgetting off the top of my head. They accumulated an extra third when they traded Kadarius Tony. I don't think that they strictly just take a wide receiver late in the first round or in the second around and go, that's it. That's how we've solved the problem. I think that is going to be their big splash, and I think they will find a trade partner. It won't mean they'll give up a first-round pick, but they may not have to, depending on who that guy is and, and a team looking to shed salary, and they will have the cap space to do that. Talking to Sean Marash, BetMGM tonight. Uh, Saquon Barkley, is this going to mm -hmm. be something where they try to work out a longer-term deal with him, or do you think that their plan yeah. is to just keep him on that one year on the franchise tag? This is so fascinating, Nick, because I'm trying to separate my feelings on this with what I think they actually do. I'm scared to death of giving Saquon Barkley a long-term deal. He's oft injured, but he's clearly still a bulldog, a playmaker that they need. But look, just look at all these teams, even the Titans shopping Derrick Henry. When you sign running backs long-term, Zeke's contract's a disaster. Kamara's contract's a disaster. The Panthers with McCaffrey were a disaster. The Niners were able to fit him in in the cap. It's so rare that you actually are a Super Bowl contender with paying running backs big money. So... Where I think the Giants are going to work out a long-term deal, Josh Jacobs just got the franchise tag, right? Uh, I'm forgetting the other running back who just got slapped. Oh, Tony Pollard got Tony the tag. Pollard. So they're all on that same kind of $10 million tag. And this happens to be the deepest running back draft, according to most scouts, that we've had in years. So where is the leverage? And if Derrick Henry gets traded somewhere to a team looking for a running back, where is the leverage that Saquon has to work out some kind of monster, monster deal? I think he probably signs for, you know, 11.5, 12, something like that. It's less than he thought he was going to get. And I think that the Giants get Saquon in here at least the next three years. Let's talk about the Jets and Aaron Rodgers. Okay. <laughs> I am fascinated by what is going on. At first, I thought, Sean, there's no possibility that Aaron Rodgers would follow in the footsteps of Brett Favre. But it seems oh. he's open 
to going to the Jets. One, just your opinions on it for the market, because for me, I'm very excited. And how good do you think the Jets are realistically with Aaron Rodgers kind of in the short term? So, first of all, it absolutely is exciting, but it's also exciting because if you're not a Jet fan, I, I would be selling myself like everything if I was a Jet fan. And being here in New York my whole life, not being a Jet fan, I know this ends in disaster. So that also makes it very much exciting. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, look, he was an MVP candidate a couple of years ago. Other than Tom Brady, who have we seen not fall off a cliff as they start to get to the age Aaron Rodgers is? Uh, I, I'd love to see the compensation they eventually give up. But Aaron Rodgers with this Jet team is not going to suddenly bull over Allen Mahomes, bro. All these guys I've mentioned in the AFC and go get to a Super Bowl. And I think that seems to be, you know, the grandeurs of everybody's mind in Jetland. But what it does do, I think the Jets will snap their decade-long streak of not making the playoffs. They'll be far more entertaining. They have a really good defense, probably a little bit of an overrated defense, but a very good defense. They have good young weapons. But that personality in New York doing the McAfee interviews once a week, uh, you know, I hate to break it to you, you don't try to fake vaccines in New York. They will take you down in a hurry. Uh, I think that it ends ultimately in disaster with a few fun electric moments, and Jet fans in two years are left wondering why the heck they can't figure it out. But if they have to give up a first-round pick plus, Trista, if that really is what comes down to it, it will be an unmitigated disaster long-term. Especially if you got him for one year. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is like a year-to-year -year yeah. thing with this guy. If he's already, if, if, if it's Jets or retirement, like that would scare me because he's already thinking about retirement. Yeah. So how committed can one really, really be? I, I think, but at the same time, I, like I look at this Jets team and go, they drafted really well last year. They got a yeah, lot of young talent. But what concerns me, Sean, does Aaron Rodgers want to work with a lot of young players, especially on the offense? Yeah. We already saw what that looked like in Green Bay. Well, he certainly is not going to hang out with them, and I'm sure come Thanksgiving he'll probably be flying back to go have dinner with Mason Crosby again. Uh, and how much control does Aaron Rodgers want, right? Once he signs, who is he going to be basically calling Jake Kumaro to come take snaps away from uh, from Denzel Mims or whatever? So, I look, I think the Jets will be good. I think they're not as great as some around the Jets think they are, but Rodgers makes them interesting, and they will probably be a playoff team, even if it's that seven seed. What do you think is going on? This isn't obviously New York-related, but why... Why is everyone just making it seem like Tua is not playing any more football? Is that a reality? Well, I think the reality is, Trista, the public outrage, fair or unfair, is not going to stand for it if we go out in September or October and he takes a vicious hit and we see his eyes glazed over. I mean, the problem with Tua is not just the concussions. It's that we visually saw what the concussions looked like with him on a football field. And if he had that many of them last year, what ended up being three that he had, and, and we saw the way he was dealt with, this is a team that's so ready to win now with those wide receivers. If this happens in week one, two, three, four, I, I think the public outcry will be that, that, you know, how could anybody sit there and stop? Tua playing again, that may not be fair to Tua and what he wants personally, but I think this is a situation where you might see the first NFL quarterback really have public backlash push him towards, you know, if something were to happen out of playing football. Hopefully that does doesn't that, happen, but that, I think that's on the table. So does that mean Lamar? What does that mean for Miami, in your opinion? I don't think Lamar ultimately is going to go anywhere for two first-round picks. It would take a lot. Uh, obviously, I think those Brady rumors are unfounded. But I'll tell you what, Brady could tweet about the cat today and all of that. If Tua got hurt in October or November and Brady's sitting in Miami close to the kids, I still think Brady's possible but not preseason. That could be an in-season. Uh, I still maintain Tom Brady's coming back. He's playing for the 49ers, and all will be right with the world. He's going to play till he's 50, Sean. That's what I oh, want to see. Sean Moran. Too far CBS from the kids, Nick. CBS Sports Radio, Bet MGM tonight. Always good talking to you, buddy.